So now it's going to come to the portion of uh, this little gathering time that we're going to read scripture. And as I promised you, it is in Matthew chapter 13. So if you want to pull that up for you, we're going to be looking at the 24th through the 30th verse. And so I will read this for us and we'll get right into the conversation portion uh, about this. Well, actually, in between this and the conversation, I got to teach you about wheat. Um, so if you're familiar with that, I guess you can chime in at any time about the process of growing wheat in a field. <laughs> uh, so hear the word of the Lord. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of God is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, did you, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them, let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. So, wheat. Uh, do you guys know much about wheat? Well, Carly should, because I taught on Sunday and she was there. So, uh, <laughs> I, know, I know a lot about wheat thins. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, I meant to put this in, so we're going to try this live. I want to show you uh, wheat. Well, I'll say this. Wheat is basically, you know, in everything, and uh, we're not really concerned about that. But we are concerned about in this parable to know, to help give us a frame of reference, is that wheat takes, this specific wheat takes five to six months to grow, which is a long time. You know, it's like a half a year. They plant it in, like, um, the fall time, uh, maybe November December, and then they would let it grow until it was time to harvest. So in the nation of Israel, they're growing in these cycles to be ready for uh, like holidays at the Passover. So five to six months, this wheat grows. And this wheat, as it's growing, it's it's pretty boring looking. I mean, I think when it's fully grown, it's even pretty boring looking. But there's a weed that you can grow alongside of it that looks almost exactly like it. And like to the point where um, you don't even know what is wheat and what is a weed until uh, the like the last month. So four weeks out or whatever, you start to see the heads on top of the the wheat and the weeds, and then you're like, oh my gosh, half of my crop is weeds. And so you don't know. Like so, you're spending five to six months working this ground, you're like making it look good, and at the very last hour, you have to decide. Uh, what you're going to do with all this crop. And, you know, in this story, it's the, the parable or the story of the, the saboteur who is coming to to sow all these seeds. So it's even like extra mean because he does it in the middle of the night, doesn't know who this story, you don't know who it is. And um, nobody knows until, like I said, until that very end. And I'm going to show a picture. That's what we're going to try to do live. And, um, okay, here we go. Let me share this. Okay, so I think you can see uh, this guy standing next to uh, the wheat, and the wheat is called the tares. So if I make this full screen, you probably cannot tell much of a difference. To me, that all just looks like green grass. 
<laughs> with the with something on top of it. You don't really you don't really know, I suppose. So uh, what I do show then, let me show you what it looks like when it's fully grown. You see the fruit on top of it. This is what it looks like when it is fully formed. The wheat is on the left and the, the weed is on the right. So even after it's grown, so the last four months, you start to see this fruit on top of it. Uh, like you, it's really hard to tell. It takes an expert to kind of be able to manage that and to see that. So this is the, the, the setting of what Jesus is telling this story about that. Um, and the servants, you know, when they come out and they say, can we pull this up for you? They don't go after the enemy. They don't do any of that stuff. They just say, like, uh, can we pull the weeds out? And he says, no, you can't do that because it's basically the critical hour. The, the last month before you start to harvest, you need to really you need that fruit. Otherwise, the whole year is wasted of growing this stuff. So that is the setting for wheat. And if, if you are any wheat growers out there and I got any of that wrong, you can take that up with the Ohio State uh, Wheat Department. I don't think it's a wheat department, it's an agricultural department. But um, So I think that. As you look at this story and you start to unpack it, because a little bit later, Jesus unpacks the parable and all that stuff. But um, last week we talked about sowing seeds. And this week we did that a little bit, but this is more of the growth process in long term and near the end of the harvest. Um, there's a lot of these agricultural references in scripture. And I think it's because they would have understood it the best because in an agricultural society, but uh, because agriculture takes a long time to do stuff. I know, Jonathan, you grow stuff right you like a you have an avocado plant and like beautiful f flowers and all we have flowers around the the church that jonathan takes care of you know he like waters it and um carly i know you're not much of a grower admittedly i'm not saying you're a bad grower i don't know if you are or not but you've admitted that you're not much of a grower i am more of a, a harvester um as in i harvest anything that i don't want and i just throw it away so uh that is my my harvest. But do you, so the question leads to this, because, you know, it takes a long time. Agriculture growing stuff takes a long time. Do you, this is for both of you, and in the chat too, I'll pull the chat uh, thing back up, and you guys can answer these questions as they're flying by as well if you want. Do you ever uh, struggle with the need to be done with something immediately? Something that might take a long time, but like you just, you want to be done as quick as possible. And um, yeah, so I guess what's your struggle with that? Well, first of all, when you're talking about growing things, Carly's flower beds look a lot better than mine. <laughs> so she's doing something right. <laughs> so I think since her flower beds look better, she should answer first. <laughs> well, I will say that, yes, it is in my nature that when I start to feel like something should be done, like it should just be done. Um, and like I, I kind of equate that to two different things. Like when I was pregnant with Daily, my firstborn, I had so many girlfriends who were pregnant with me. I think there was seven of us who were pregnant at the same time. And they just couldn't wait to have the baby and to see what the baby would look like. But I was in this phase of just loving being pregnant. And I did not want to have her. Like I wanted to be pregnant for forever for some reason. Um, so I can relate to that when it's like some people, one person's struggle is another person's waiting time. Um, and 
for me personally, besides being pregnant, I think everything needs to be done and over with very quickly. Um, it's just my innate, innate nature. I'm not, um, a patient person. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example of late, um, that I can actually talk about. (laughs) Um, yeah, it, I, I, I mean, plain and simple. Yes. I struggle with getting things done and sometimes it's not where I need to be. So I need to really relax and say, all right, Jesus, what are you going to show me in this growing process? Because I want to quickly uproot everything and then plant it somewhere else. If I'm not, if I'm unhappy, if things aren't going my way, I'm like, well, I'll just take it somewhere else then. And God's like, no, you can't do that. You that's, you need to stay rooted where I put you. Yeah, I think, you know, there are um, lots of examples throughout scriptures of people who received promises from God and then waited and waited and waited until the point to where they just decided, okay, God gave me this promise, so I'm just going to make it happen now. And, you know, usually that ends up causing more brokenness and frustration to the situation, uh, which God is a pro at redeeming that. So that um, seems to always work out in the end, but uh, there's all this heartache and brokenness in the midst of it. Um, so, you know, I think it's a common human experience. I, for me, I'm, I'm typically, I would say, a patient person, but I think the biggest struggle that I have um, when, it, when it comes to, I think, this question, have either of you ever heard of the phrase, the tyranny of the urgent? Uh, I think, I, I can't remember who, who invented that phrase. I think it was a, either a book or an article or something. Um, uh, but the idea is that um, we focus so much on urgency that urgency sort of bubbles up within us and takes over. And it actually makes us less productive um, when everything is always operating at urgent. And so one of the things that we say at Journey is that God is never in a hurry, uh, that God operates at the pace of slow. Uh, and I think, you know, I mean, you, you, we read the Bible and we think these stories move so quickly in our minds, but oftentimes it's generations that pass before God's promises are revealed. So uh, as much as we are able like we have to learn to slow down and to be present in the moment and not jump to the end of the story. Because when we do that, not only do we bypass all the good stuff, um, but we also end up contributing to the brokenness rather than the peace of God. Uh, and so I think that's the thing for me that I constantly am trying to remind myself, just slow down. Yeah. Yeah, my, you know, my family moves and, uh, when we move, we move. Like, like it's like a, it's a switch. It just needs to, like it's time to go. It's like we're, we're going and it's chaotic. It's like the home alone scene where they're getting ready to go to the movie <laughs> or go to the airport. And it's just like chaotic, like that morning time. That's like, that's not, that's just normal. <laughs> uh, and, um, I, I was thinking about that today, even just like I could build more time in. That's probably good, but like that urgency, uh, it's just, 
kind of how our brains work. We're all like a little, um, well, I'm diagnosed with ADHD, right? Everybody else is kind of probably not leaning that way, but, um, it's just like, it has to happen right now, as soon as it can, as fast as it can. And it is like a tornado and kind of like that, the tyranny of the urgent or whatever the, the exact quote was that you said, Jonathan, that like, um, it's like once it's in front of me, it needs to get done right now. Like this parable is, you know, they saw this field growing for months and they didn't know anything was wrong with it or like it didn't didn't have the expert or whatever come and look at it. And once it happened, they're like, let's let's act right away. And that's kind of how, um, you know, my my life is sometimes um, for for better or worse. And some of that is stuff I, I'm working on and God's never in a hurry and learning to be patient and slow. Um, I've been teaching my kids a lot. It's slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Uh, so trying to learn how like to live into that, that slowing down is actually will make things not as chaotic. And you won't make as many mistakes and it will end up there. But, um, you know, the next question here is like, how do you persevere through all of that? And that's mine is slow is smooth and smooth is fast. I whistle songs to myself if I get like super over the top or like I've learned that um, when the iron is hot, so like if I'm starting something new, uh, I need to use that motivation to carry into habits very quickly. Otherwise, uh, so that way the discipline can take over. Uh, otherwise, discipline will not carry me through to the end, like spiritual practices and stuff like that. So how do you guys persevere in the midst of like the urgency or the chaos and all that stuff? Like, What's your tricks or hacks or anything to, to get you past that moment? Um, breathing really helps. Um, things, tricks that I would teach my toddler of what to do, I can spin that around and kind of what you said, like you can, you'll whistle songs. I'll find that on repeat, like, okay, I can calm down. I can be fine. I can, and I love that slow is smooth, smooth is fast. I mean, I think that's real brilliant because it's so true. Um, and same thing with reading the Bible, you can read it and say, Oh man, I can't believe they didn't just sit back and wait. God told them. Um, it is very um, funny how I'll read a story and be like, should have waited. Where in reality, it's just like, should have waited. <laughs> like it's, it's all, they're not fake stories. They're real, real people. So remembering that God's promises thousands of years ago are God's promises day and to find that groove and find that path and stay in my lane, the lane that I know God has paved for me. So staying in that lane, um, when daily and I get at it, um, we'll come back to each other and say, I'm so sorry. Like we got off course. Um, and same thing with Jesus. I just realized, man, I'm so sorry. I got off course. Um, so that's a good, um, visual for me, um, is that paved path that God's already paved. Yeah, I think, you know, um, regardless of how much we want to move slowly or we try to remind ourselves, well, I'll, I won't speak for all of us. I'll speak for myself as much as I want to move slowly. And as much as I want to remind myself to be present, I seemingly find myself in the situation all the time to where I'm like, 
being drawn to urgent, being drawn to, you know, go, go, go. And uh, for a, the, the thing that compounds that problem is that I get to the, to once I realize that I've become, you know, wrapped up in this urgent feeling, then I beat myself up about it. And I'm like, oh, you know, you are so silly. Like, why would you allow yourself to get into this, uh, you know, position? You you know better than this. Like, you, you know, we'll never get this. You'll always talk about this, but never embody it or never live it out. Um, and a couple of, probably about a year or so ago, I read this quote um, from a guy who I cannot pronounce his name. And uh, it's, I think it's Gillerand, maybe. It's G-U-I-L-L-E-R-A-N-D. So however you say that. Um, he wrote uh, this sentence that are these two sentences that I try and remind myself when I get down on myself. He says that God will know how to draw glory even from our faults. Not to be downcast after committing a fault is one of the marks of true sanctity. And so, you know, I'm trying to, when I find myself in the urgent and then I find myself beating myself up for being you know, overcome by urgency to then remember, you know, okay, well, even in the midst of my adding to the frustration by being wrapped up in the urgency, God can still work in the midst of this. And um, at any moment, whenever I'm ready, I can stop. <laughs> I can pause and we can get back on board the slow train uh, when, you know, when we're ready. And so I guess maybe, you know, trying to have a, a trying to have a long memory but also trying to have a, a short memory at the same time uh, to long enough to remember to be patient, to move slowly, short enough to forget the times when urgency overtakes. Yeah. I like that. That's a, a constant, I think it's called like spiritual maturity. I mean, that is like the journey of sanctification. I think and holiness is just, I think you're learning to view yourself too as God views you, which is, you know, you repent, quick to forgive type um, stuff. And that could take some people lifetimes to get over. Uh, next, uh, let's see. Oh, he, so Jesus goes on to explain the parable a little bit later. He was kind enough, 36 through 43, if you want to go a little bit further. This parable, I think, at face value is pretty, pretty, I mean, it's pretty on the nose. He says the kingdom of heaven is light. I mean, it's pretty obvious what he's going to be talking about and how it all kind of ties together. And we equate the characters, uh, so I guess through this first, uh, well, this read through tonight, because uh, I'm guessing you've all heard this story before and maybe even heard uh, the Sunday sermon. But as you heard it tonight, and who are you identifying with in this uh, this read through? Like, who, who's sticking out to you? Like, oh, that sounds like me in the middle of that. Well, for me, actually, I have, when you read it on Sunday, I related to the um the ser the servants that said I'll go let's go like I can do it like right now let's go pick those weeds um and today I almost feel like 
the the um the sorry the master the owner and he's like no just wait wait it out um and it was what just three days ago that you preached on it and in three days because my mindset's in a different place today my body's in a different place today um on Sunday, I was ready to go. Like, let's do this. Um, then now today, I'm like, let's just chill. Like, let's, it's okay. Like, God's got it. Um, so very interesting how you ask, who are you today? Because it's very different than who I was on Sunday. Um, and that's refreshing knowing that if you are in a place feeling that you're sowing seeds that you shouldn't be sowing, like if you were the one in the night, um, just hold on and wait and pray through it and get through that hard season because pretty soon you could be the person that's saying, no, I know God's plan. I know how to do this wisely. Um, so that's kind of what I took away from it. I'm, I'm a different person. Identify with a different person this go around. Now it's really interesting how just you know a couple of days makes such a difference, and you know especially like we all have experiences to where we're you know super excited about something, and then there's like just the smallest little bump in the road or whatever can just derail, you know, the whole thing. And now all of a sudden you're back on the other side. Um, I'm, I'm in a place where I identify with the, with the servants coming in to pull the weeds, except for I'm not asking, I'm just going to start pulling. <laughs> That's a, it's like, charging in like a bull in a china closet and uh that's sort of my default way of dealing with situations that i know aren't right and um that oftentimes not oftentimes all the time uh ends up creating more frustration and brokenness which i think uh sharon said in the chat she said uh that um that god has taught her how to have patience and to wait because uh, we can mess things up. So I just stop and say, hold on, Sharon, God's got this, right? Like, God's got it. And, you know, we just need to slow our roll and, you know, take a deep breath. So I'm, I'm the servant, but without asking the question, just to start to pull those weeds. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said something like that, because you brought up the, the, uh, the tyranny of the urgent or whatever. And, if you ever are lucky enough to be with Jonathan when you were moving a church building from one location to the next and there are objects to throw away or objects you might not need for the future and a large dumpster that is empty, you will find out how tyrannical the weed pulling can be <laughs> from, from stuff. But it is, it, I mean, once you, yeah, once you're there, like you're just going, cause it's the same way. Like you want to take initiative. And I would say a lot of times I would probably identify that way as well. Like I'm just going to, I mean, hey, look at me. I'm so good. I pulled the weeds and I'm actually so happy and just realizing that, you know, I'm a, a dope about it. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, well, I don't know. I, I'll go to the next question because I'm not quite sure who I identify with quite yet still. This is a, is that ended up being a kind of hard, a hard parable for me because I think there's two angles that you could re read yourself into. And I, and Carly, I think that, 
you identifying with the master is cool because I think that it shows that the more the more in line you become with Christ and the heart of Christ, the more that you will begin to look like Jesus and act like Jesus and see the world like Jesus. And that's a cool thing. And I think that there are sometimes there's like specific times and locations and people maybe that you're around that you will act differently uh, in that situation. Like I'm already thinking of people that I could be around. That I would, uh, uh, you know, I would be, I wouldn't even be in the picture. <laughs> I'd be the servant down the road avoiding everything, but um, this, I think there's two, you know, there's two ways to really kind of look at this parable. One is the harvest because we are the harvest. You know, the kingdom of God is like the harvest and at the final hour or, you know, when it's time to harvest, uh, or the final hour of judgment, we are going to get picked and there's going to be, uh, fruit that is good and there's going to be the weeds. And, um, Jesus is going to send the angels, the reapers to come through and, and take care of all of that. And the difficult part of that, you know, that part of the reading of it is that, um, I, I said this on Sunday, but like once in my mind, my literal mind, once you are, uh, a seed of some sort, you are that seed. So like to hear this and to be like, okay, well, some people were planted by the enemy and they're going to get sucked up and, and, you know, thrown into the furnace to burn up is like, it's hard for me to, to reconcile that and try to understand that. So I think I've come away with some of how to understand that, um, so I would just like to hear your thoughts first of like when you first hear that, that like the harvest is going to come and the, the good stuff is going to go into the master's barn and the bad stuff is going to get thrown away. But some of those were plant, seeds were planted by different entities. Like what, how, how does that make you feel? How do you reconcile that? Like what's the what kind of emotions does that bring up for you? You got this one. so uh, you know the thing uh, that always is so interesting to me about reading particularly the parables that jesus taught is that there's like so many different layers to each of them uh you know so bill asked the question uh in the chat he said does the wheat represent the christian and the tares represent the phony christian and i think there are definitely some uh some conversations that we can have about the importance of understanding which seeds are planted and, and nurtured and growing well and which seeds, um, you know, have been planted by the enemy and are, are producing bad fruit. Um, and, but I, I always, I always think of it more in a, uh, in a, on a personal level, and so, like I see in my own life, I see the many seeds that have been planted in me, uh, and there are both good and bad seeds within just my person, right? There, um, I, I could, you know, be in a, a circumstance where everything is going the exact way that I want it, and there's one little small thing that's not quite right. And it just drives me bananas because that one little thing isn't the way that it should be. And so I can identify that uh, circumstance in my life through reading this this um, passage that, uh, you know, in our own in our own little world, that we have both good and uh, bad that is vying for our attention. And 
some of it is personality. Some of it is like, you know, related to different trauma or things that we've experienced in our lives. Uh, but, you know, we can find ourselves in situations very easily where the good wheat is, um, is being overcome by the bad wheat, even, even within us who are devoted to following the way of Jesus. So I always like to make sure that I'm focused on how this, how these stories play out in my own life before I'm going to put that on anyone else. Um, so that, uh, I can make sure that I'm not putting out a, a vibe that's not really true, not really representative of who I am. I mean, you don't have to answer if you don't, I don't have anything to add to that. No, I don't. I was okay. going to say no, but I'm like, gosh, we still no, a, Yeah, you can. You can say it. just It's better than saying I, to piggyback off of that. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's – I think you basically said what I had written down. Some of that is like the micro versus macro level. I think I, I have forced myself in a lot of ways to sit in this of thinking of like the entirety of – um, people and creation and like just kind of being uncomfortable in that spot because, um, you know, I think that, that's something we profess that Jesus will come back and we have to, to do that. So the, the best thing we can do for the world uh, ourselves is to just grow and to be good fruit ourselves so that like the weeds have no chance to even grow. Like they're not going to be fighting for any of the nutrients because there's going to be so much good stuff. It's kind of like this cosmic battle of wheat and weeds um, that, the more wheat that is produced and the more good fruit that is spread, the less that there is any spot for weeds to come back. So hopefully when Jesus comes back, you know, the, the harvest is just 100 percent good stuff and the weeds have long gone. And we've kind of taken over of being instead of the, the seeds being thrown into the, the thorny soil, the um, that soil, you know, we the, the bad seeds are thrown into into the, the good stuff and has no chance to survive. Because so. I think it's kind of like where I look at that, that big side of things, the big macro level, and then like that small individual personal level, I'm, I'm with you a lot. There's a lot of like purification of um, evil and sin. You know, in our tradition, uh, the Nazarenes, we talk a lot about purification and the, the getting rid of the bad seeds and sin in our hearts and how that happens. And that's all through like the Holy Spirit. So I think there's like lots of different layers here, like you said. Um you know, I think we, uh, I think we can do, uh, okay, let's do one more question. So this last one is, you know, the master tells them to do nothing, says, uh, you know, do you want us to go out and tear these weeds out? And he says, no. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> he says, no. Um, and so if we think about this as we are the weeds and, or the, we're the wheat amongst the weeds, or we're the servants looking out into the world and seeing the bad stuff in the world. And the question is, like, should we go do something about it? And uh, the master says, no, this is uh, honestly, this is probably like a pivotal uh, parable in my life right now for some reason. Uh, I think the Holy Spirit is really speaking to me through that about uh, just what my role is in the world. But like, how does that shape uh, you that, you know, Jesus is telling the servants not to do, not, you know, not to try to rid the world of the weeds because, you know, they're not skilled enough. and He's going to send somebody else out to do that. I mean, I, I think it's a phenomenal 
thing to really think about because to be told to do nothing doesn't mean, like he's just saying, just don't do this one thing. They probably have a list of things that they should be doing, that they need to be doing, that they need to be doing to get ready for that harvest. Um, so same thing in my life. What God might not be telling me to do one thing or go and rid the world of a certain thing, but he is telling me to do A, B, C, and D. So it's not being stagnant and just waiting to to pull the weeds when he says it's go time because I'm I'm doing things in love, which is such a big action word. So to do things in love, I'm still doing things. I'm still doing things as, as you know, the servants were probably told to do. They were just told not to do this one thing. Um, and so if we can stay busy in all the other things that we're told to do and do them correctly, when it is time to go and do to go and pull the wheat, then we're ready. We're wiser. We've given it more time for growth. Um, that's what I, um, when says don't do anything, saying don't do that thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I, I would ask you just uh, to process through this with you in lifetime uh, that, you know, like we, Jesus doesn't ever say that we are going, we're never going to like be tasked with that. Like he says, he doesn't tell us, like, get ready and prepare and go do all this other stuff until it's time for the harvest. He just says, I'm going to bring other people in. The um, angels so, you know, right. so don't even concern yourself with it. Uh, so I do think there's something to that of, like, there's a bunch of other stuff that we are called to do. and But certainly ridding the fields of the weeds does not seem to be one of them. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but definitely nurturing the fields, fertilizing the fields, you know, caring for the fields, watering the fields, like all of those things are a part of the agricultural metaphors. And yeah, so yeah, Jesus is definitely not telling us to just sit on our hands. But, um, you know, in my mind, like, I, I often kind of have this dialogue in myself, I ask myself this question, is this something for Jonathan to be concerned with, or is this for Jesus, right? As a way to sort of remind myself of, you know, there are things that no matter what I do, I, you know, am helpless in it, right? Like it's kind of, the, I, I think in, in thinking about this, I think of the Paul talking about the thorn in his side, you know, he's pleading with God to take it away, but God's not taking it away, it's still there. And so, you know, he called him and earlier or in a different passage, he called himself a wretched man, you know, like this is Paul talking. Um, and so, you know, we we oftentimes, I think, want to try and do things that either we're not ready for or we're not able to do, we're not designed to do. And so just remembering this is something for Jesus to take care of. And it's not like a passive, okay, you know, uh, I wash my hands of this. It's like, like, you know, God can handle this, right? And I'm going to do the things that I know are necessary for me to 
keep in step with Jesus and I'm going to let him take care of what he's going to take care of. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Both good insights and uh, helpful for me. 